Did you know this podcast is powered by Acast? Acast is the home of podcasting for creators looking for freedom to grow their listeners and make money too. And creative brands looking for smart ways to advertise. Podcasters and advertisers in the know know Acast. It's time you did too. Visit Acast.com to find out more. Acast for the stories. In Ireland, we pride ourselves on having a good education system. We take for granted the ease of access we have to gain the ability to learn. The value it gives us as a nation is unmeasurable, but this wasn't always the case. What if your access to education was limited because of your identity? What if you had all the ability in the world to learn, but not the access? Would you accept it for what it was and prevent learning being part of your life? Or would you find a way around it in order to unleash the potential you have? It's the life of a Cork woman which answers these questions for us. This is her story. In the West Cork town of Skibbereen, in 1842, a woman was born. Just three years before the town would be ravaged by the famine, her name was Agnes Clerk. Her father was gifted an education by the British state at the time as he was a Protestant. He used this privilege to study mathematics and astronomy in Trinity College Dublin. Had he been a woman, he would not have been given access to the college until 1904. Had he been Catholic, he would not have been permitted to attend the college until 1970. Whilst living in Dublin for his studies, he met a woman named Catherine, a devout Catholic who was recognised as an intellectual lady by her peers and also a very talented musician as she played both the piano and the harp to a high level. When the couple married, they returned to her father's hometown of Skipperin, where he gained a role as a manager in the Provincial Bank, which later would be named Allied Irish Bank. They had a family who were raised as Catholics under the beliefs of Agnes's mother, who felt it would give them better values as people, even though they would be persecuted for it. This, combined with being a girl, meant that Agnes's access to education was limited from birth. Their parents decided, for her sake, it would be best to homeschool. Education in Ireland has not always been what it is today. Today, we enjoy the freedoms of learning. But in 1695, if you were a Catholic, you were banned from any form of education. This continued for 87 years until it was successfully appealed, although Catholic schools continued to not be funded by the state, making it difficult to begin the Irish education system. As well as this, the legal schools were teaching in English or Latin, languages foreign to the poor Irish, who were the majority of the island. Hedge schools were created as a result of this oppression in order to educate the Irish. These hedge schools were illegally held in the ditches and caves all across the country. If they were caught, all those at the school would be executed immediately. Teachers and children were slaughtered and left in as an example to all. By the 1820s, it is estimated that 9,000 of these schools existed and they'd educated up to 400,000 Irish boys and girls in their own language. In 1800, however, the Roman Catholic missionary, Edmund Ignatius Rice, 
became the father of the Irish education system for the Irish people as he founded two religious institutes, the Christian Brother Schools and the Presentation Brother Schools. These were fee-paying schools however, and many of the poor could not afford to go after a certain age and would return home to work on the farms with a better understanding of agriculture. In 1811, the Society for the Promotion of Education of the Poor in Ireland established a network of non-profit schools. Twenty years later, they were operating over 1,600 schools and teaching 140,000 poor Irish children. As a result of the work they were doing, in order to save face, the British began partially funding the Irish schools, but insisted the students pay some form of a fee to match their contribution. When Ireland finally became independent after centuries of rebellions and slaughters, education was made available for all for free. Agnes thrived in this homeschool environment though, and she had particular interest in two subjects. The same two subjects which her father had excelled at, mathematics and astronomy. From an early age she began to read complex books about space and the stars. She began researching the ancient and modern texts in astronomy. She learned of Anaximander and Pythagoras, Beer and Henderson. She used her father's four-inch telescope and every night she observed the rings of Saturn and the moons of Jupiter. She took all these self-taught learnings and at age just 15 she wrote her own history of astronomy. The entire focus of her life was very different to the other girls in Skipperine. The small West Cork town had seen 10,000 of those who called at home starved to death in the famine years. Whilst Agnes's physical development was stifled due to the lack of nutrition, her mind never went wanting. Whilst others dreamed of moving to America, Agnes dreamed of going into space. She wanted to see what was out there. Whilst the ability to break out of Earth's atmosphere wasn't available then, as it is to a select few today, it was still a dream she held close to her heart. At age 19, Agnes's father's career took a change and he began working as a register for a high court judge in Dublin. Her brother, Aubrey, began studying maths and physics in Dublin University and it was from his textbooks and him teaching her that she gained a sort of access to third level education. After learning all she could in Ireland at age 25, she and her sister Ellen saw an opportunity to get themselves degrees if they went to Italy. Having the surname clerk opened a lot of doors for them, which were closed to the girls. The name was identifiable as a Protestant name. This allowed them to avoid some of the Catholic discrimination their peers were experiencing. The two sisters spent 10 years in Florence, where they studied advanced science, learned how to properly read and write, and became excellent linguists. In 1877, the sisters moved to London, where their family were now living. Whilst there, Agnes submitted two papers to the Edinburgh Review, a prestigious research publisher. She had written both in her time in Florence. The first was called The Brigadage in Sicily, and was a research paper based on the rise in history of the Mafia. The second was called Copernicus in Italy, which discussed the ideas of the Renaissance astronomer, Nicholas Copernicus. The publishers of the Edinburgh Review were amazed by the Skibbereen woman's research, her writing and the details she could go into. They invited her to work on their ninth edition Encyclopedia Britannica. Her role was to research and write about the famous mathematicians and astronomers. 
This is her dream job. She could now spend all her time learning and researching about space and the stars, and more importantly, be paid to do it. She's one of a very few women in the world invited to do anything like this. For the time, a majority of people could not have believed a woman could read or write, never mind research, and rarer again for an Irish woman to be able to do it. In this role, she wrote the first biographies of Galileo, Kepler, and Laplace, and other astronomers from ancient times. Much of what we know about the ancient Greek and Italian astronomers and philosophers comes from the work of Agnes. Her writings on Laplace to this day are considered to be one of the best pieces of research in astronomy due to the levels of detail Agnes got into. She would not leave one rock unturned, as she wrote. The papers she wrote in this time are still referenced today in modern papers. She continued to write and was often invited to, to write for other encyclopedias. As she met them, she would often have to hide her accent for fear of discrimination and would pretend to be from Edinburgh herself and would use that accent as a mask. She dared not tell anyone she was Catholic, but was terribly devoted to her religion. She would go to Mass every Sunday and say the Rosary every night. She hid this her all her life up to this point and shared her secrets in her diaries, sharing with it her heartbreak at hiding who she was. But her dreams were strong. She was determined to power through her heartbreak for the sake of living the dreams of her heroes. In 1885, she published Astronomy for the Catholic Encyclopedia. She outed herself for who she was. She'd lived long enough in the shadows of tyranny and now wanted to show the world what an Irish Catholic woman could do. No longer were they destined to roll in kitchens or fields. They were people who deserved the riches of their education, their own autonomy and their own will. In the same year, she also published a popular history of astronomy during the 19th century. This is today her most famous work and is still regularly used. It was after this was published that the Royal Observatory in the Cape of Good Hope sought for the Irish woman to join the top ranks of British astronomy. She packed everything she could and set for South Africa for a three month stint. She was brought out as a guest of Sir David Gill and stayed with him and his wife during this time. On all her travels, she was always very good to write home weekly and give updates to her family as to where she was and what she had seen. But in South Africa, she did not write home at all. Her dear sister Ellen worried about her. Did she make it over? Was she okay? Was she still alive? Then a letter came from Sir Gill explaining why her sister had not written home in a while. Your sister sits opposite me, with a pile of books on either hand, which is gradually growing till she seems to be coming through a gate with rather badly built pillars on either side. At night she is found in the dome of the equatorial, when the weather permits, engaged in flirting with the spectra of variable stars. She was too wowed by the access to books and the regular clear skies to waste a second of her three months not to be fully engaged in her work and wonder. She was now known as a Catholic, her work beginning to become discredited by others, but all were shot down by the experts. Their argument was, with no formal education in her youth, she should not be entitled to study the stars. 
she didn't stop to take notice of this, and in 1890 she published The System of Stars, which today is used as the basis of understanding for how stars are created. As a result of this piece of work, she was offered a role as a research assistant in the Groyle Observatory in Greenwich. She desperately wanted to accept the role, but had to decline. The reason being, in her own words, there would be almost insurmountable difficulties from the fact that Greenwich Park is said to be unsafe for ladies in life. Nevertheless, I feel somewhat sore and sorry at having refused, and so shut out finally a prospect that was not without its attractions for me. Upon hearing she had turned down the role, Vassar College in America came calling with the offer to be a professor there. They had no issue with their race, sex or religion. She was seen as a peer and deserved a role to match her ability. At the time, however, her father became very ill and could not take up the role. In her own words, I could not inflict the sorrow upon my parents of separating the family from them. She continued to write a series of books over the next few years, not all science-based. She also wrote The History of Don Sebastian and The History of the Irish Rebel and United Irishman, Edward Fitzgerald, which is still used today. She also wrote The Familiar Studies of Homer. As her fame grew, she received many honours and titles, and in 1903 she became only the third woman ever to become a member of the Royal Astronomical Society. Four years later, in 1907, her time on Earth came to an end and she passed to the stars. About 70 years after her death, as a result of her work and how it aided them in understanding space, NASA named a crater on the moon after her. Agnes had finally made it into space. Today's music was written, performed and produced by Rhino Adoran. We the Irish is an Ireland's production. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help us to continue to create more, you can buy us a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com slash we the Irish. Or in a sanandum. Gurmagut. Slonanish. Did you know this podcast is powered by Acast? Acast is the home of podcasting for creators looking for freedom to grow their listeners and make money too. And creative brands looking for smart ways to advertise. Podcasters and advertisers in the know know Acast. It's time you did too. Visit Acast.com to find out more. Acast. For the stories.